0: This is a new experience for me. Uh, I have not taught an auditorium Bible class on the same day that I am also preaching. So I have no idea what's about to happen. Uh, the, the good thing for you guys is you may end up with a really short sermon this morning. Uh, I, I don't know. This is, this is unique. Either that or all of this is going to go to my head, and we're going to have two really long lessons. Uh, pray for the first. But we'll see what happens with the second. We're going to spend several weeks talking about the resurrection. I think the resurrection is important, and we're going to look at it in a couple of different ways. And today what I want to do is just introduce the idea. I'm very appreciative to Mike for filling in for me last week while I was gone. uh, Kind of setting up our ideas of the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus... And, of course, at the end of Mike's lesson, we leave Jesus in the grave. Thankfully, God did not. And we're going to spend the next few weeks setting up for that, but we're not going to get to that just yet. Uh, We've got a few things that we want to cover before we get into the actual resurrection of Jesus. So today, what I want to do more than anything is just introduce to you what we are going to do for the next few weeks. And also, I'm going to ask you some very specific questions this morning. If you do have some kind of device with you, if you have a phone, if you've got an iPad, even if you've got a a laptop or something, I'd ask you to go on ahead and get that ready. I got an idea from Billy. Uh, He he went to my head with with the survey things that he was doing, and I said, well, if Billy can do it, I can do it too. Uh, So in just a few minutes, I'm going to have a few questions that I want you to answer. I'm going to put them up on the screen and just be prepared for that. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Why do we talk about the resurrection, though? What is so important about the resurrection of Jesus? I'm going to read you a few quotes from famed atheist Bart Ehrman. Bart Ehrman, of course, started off as a faith, uh, as someone who a man of faith, and yet through his biblical scholarship, as he continued on through his degrees and continued to study the Bible, he eventually became what he is today one of the most well-known atheists in the world. He writes, It was my biblical scholarship that showed me there are, in fact, mistakes in the Bible. There are contradictions between the different accounts about how Jesus was raised from the dead. This eventually led me to become a more liberal Christian who didn't hold to the inerrancy of the Bible. Okay, so let's, let's pause with his quote right there. The very first step that he took, was he said, as I looked at the Bible, I noticed that there are differences in the resurrection accounts. And so what that led him to was not atheism fully, but instead he still wanted to believe that God existed. He still wanted to be a Christian in some way, but he said, I moved away from believing that the Bible was actually inerrant, that the Bible was actually true. That was his first step away. Uh, Eventually, he comes to a new point. He says, I came to a point where I simply didn't believe there was a God. I didn't believe there was a God who was active in the world. And that, of course, had implications because there can't be a miraculous resurrection of Jesus if there's nobody who is performing miracles. So now he's taken his full step because he sees problems with the resurrection accounts. He's taken his full step away from God. And here's what he says about it says, when we read the resurrection accounts of Jesus, who actually goes to the tomb that morning? Is it Mary Magdalene by herself? Or does she go with other women? How many women does she go with? What were their names? Bart Ehrman says, it depends upon which gospel you read. And actually, if you open up your gospel accounts, he's right. Each different gospel accounts lists Different women at the tomb on Sunday morning. Bernerman says, was the stone rolled away before or after they got there? It depends on which gospel you read. What did they see when they got there? Was it one man or two men or an angel or two angels? It depends on which gospel you read. Did they tell anyone? Mark says they didn't tell anyone. Matthew says they ran and told the disciples. Which was it? It depends on which gospel you read. You can see how somebody with a very surface level reading of the resurrection accounts might turn away at that point. Without spending time, somebody who wants to find a problem in there can find a problem in there. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I think everything that he has pointed out is true. There are these difficulties in the resurrection accounts. However... I also think that with a careful reading of the resurrection accounts, we can figure out that they are all in harmony with each other. They are all telling the same story. And we're going to spend some time on that in just a few weeks. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at the different resurrection accounts. Because just as much as somebody like Bart Ehrman can go to the resurrection of Jesus and say, well, I see these difficulties and so I'm going to turn away from God, we, on the flip side of that, can go to the resurrection accounts of Jesus. And if we can provide evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, we can come to faith to begin with or a stronger faith that we already have. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is we're going to be combating ideas like he has given us. And we're also going to try to strengthen our faith through that. So here's what we're going to be doing for about 12 weeks. The first thing that we're going to deal with is resurrection in the ancient world. We'll start this next week. Uh, The reason I think this is important is because a lot of the people who have questions about the resurrection are going to spend their time in the ancient world. And they're going to say things like, well, Jesus wasn't really raised from the dead because they understood resurrection differently than we do. Or they're going to say things like, there were so many other dying and rising gods in the ancient Near East that Jesus is just another one of them. And so we're going to deal with some of those things, and we're going to try to piece together whether or not the ancient world had anything like Jesus in it. Or if Jesus' resurrection is entirely unique. After that, we're going to turn our attention to the Bible. Next week, we'll spend most of our time outside of the Bible. But after that, we will spend our time in the Bible dealing with the Old Testament. We're going to look at what the prophecies about Jesus tell us about His resurrection. Because another thing that we're going to find is that out there in the world, we're going to see uh, some people who say that this is the backup plan. This is not what God intended, right? We're going to go through the Old Testament and we're going to see how this was actually God's plan from the beginning, Jesus dying and rising from the dead. We're going to talk about why that's important that that was God's plan. We're going to talk about how that affects us, the fact that that was God's plan from the beginning. And then we will get to the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to spend two different weeks at least on the resurrection of Jesus himself. We're going to take it on one side, we're going to take it from an apologetic side. We're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus, and we're going to see if we can combine everything that we know, biblically and extra-biblically, to determine whether or not there is enough evidence to prove that Jesus rose from the dead. Once we have done that, we're going to shift gears for the rest of the class. Once we've spent our time determining how Jesus was raised from the dead, and is unique in the ancient world, we are now going to focus on the Bible. We're going to talk about what Jesus' resurrection actually means for us. And that, in turn, will take us down some rabbit holes that maybe are unique to us. Uh, Maybe they're things that we're a little uncomfortable with. Maybe they're things that we might not have studied much before. But if Jesus rose from the dead, and the Bible says that he did, then we've got to ask the question, what happens when we die? Now, of course, John spent a little bit of time on this back, uh, I don't know, the spring at some point, right? Um, so we we have a, a little bit of a, a preparation or background. If you remember some of that, uh, good. If you don't, maybe go back and, and, and watch some of those videos to help prepare yourself. We're going to refresh ourselves for a week just to talk about what happens When we die. In turn, with that, we're also going to deal with what happens on the judgment day. Are those two separate events? Are those two different things that we've got to deal with? And we're going to talk about the resurrection of humans. You may hear me use the term at some point, and it's already on this PowerPoint. I I messed up. I didn't mean to do it. I wanted to avoid it at all costs. But I may use the term eschatological multiple times. All that means is things dealing with the end times. Things that deal with the judgment day, the resurrection, all of the things that come in the afterlife. If I use that term, that's all I mean. I'm going to try to avoid it, but like I said, I realized this morning I put it on a PowerPoint, so we'll leave it there. We're going to deal with all of those things, and in turn with that, what we are going to have to deal with is the resurrection body. What is it going to look like when we are raised from the dead? Because if Jesus was raised from the dead, what does Paul say that means? We will be raised from the dead. So we're going to get a little bit of a glimpse at what that might look like. And as we wrap up the last couple of weeks of our class, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how baptism is a symbol of the resurrection. We spent a lot of time in the churches of Christ talking about baptism, and we should, and it's necessary. But I think a unique take on baptism is seen through discussing the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of humans. I think when we combine all of those things together, we're going to discover some new things about how we should act in our lives. We're going to discover that baptism is not just a thing that we do at one point, but it is something that starts the rest of our life. It's something that helps us along our faith journey. So, we're going to spend a little bit of time on that, and then as we wrap all of that up, we're going to talk about the practical implications. We're going to try to give application to all of these different things. If Jesus rose from the dead, and there will be a future resurrection of humans, and baptism is tied to that closely, how does that mean we should live on a day-to-day basis? So we're dealing with a lot of apologetics, we're dealing with a lot of theology, but we're also going to try to deal with a lot of application. So if you can stick with me for 12 weeks... We will get to a point where it's very applicable, but we've got to build up for that. So that's, that's my plug. Uh, you know, if you're here today and you're interested, you want to stick with it, okay? You, you want to hold on and get to the end. Or maybe you want to find another class next week. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes when we get there. Uh, and then, of course, that, that last part I mentioned, living life and reflection of the resurrection is what, uh, what all of this wraps up in. Before we get to what I was talking about with some of these questions, I do want to throw out uh, a couple of relevant books, three relevant books that I think are very helpful when we're talking about the resurrection. A lot of the material that I am discussing for the first few weeks is going to come from these. Uh, So if you're interested in in learning more about the resurrection outside of this class, first of all, please feel free to come and talk to me about it. Please feel free to have some discussions. Uh, If you just want to send me a text, uh, I'll be glad to text with you about it and we'll study some more about it. if you don't want to talk to me, uh, that's fine. I've got some books you can go and read. The very first one, uh, this was a, a, a changing book for me. It's called The Easter Enigma. In this book, what John Winnem does is he takes all four of the resurrection accounts. And he puts them together and he plots a timeline. It's a very short book. It's not even 100 pages. But what he does is he tells the story of the death of Jesus. He tells the story of the crucifixion night from the uh, time that the disciples all meet together to have their last supper. And as he gets from that point, he then walks along with the disciples, bringing in every passage from every gospel to show how even though there might be difficulties, even though there might be some things that we have questions about, you can at least plot a reasonable timeline with every point of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus on it from all four of the gospels. And he'll tell you at the end of the book, he'll say, does that mean that there are no questions left? It doesn't. There's always going to be questions. There's always going to be more to study. But what he does is he gives us an effective timeline with all four Gospels that I think is really cool. Uh, A second book that you might want to be interested in is The Resurrection of Jesus. This is by Mike Lacona. Uh, he's, he takes the resurrection from a different standpoint, and this is where a lot of our first couple of weeks are going to come from. He's going to be talking about viewing the resurrection of Jesus from an entirely historical standpoint. Uh, I like this book a lot. Uh, I had a really unique opportunity where I got to be in a class taught by Mike Lacona. Uh, he came in for about 30 minutes or an hour in one of our classes and taught us. Really cool guy, very down-to-earth and very convinced from history alone that Jesus rose from the dead. So we'll take some of our stuff from that, and then we'll move into some other features from this third book called The Resurrection of the Son of God by N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is a little more famous. Uh, He's a theologian, and even though he talks a lot about history like Mike Lacona does, he also spends a lot of time with the theology of the resurrection. So a lot of what we talk about is going to come from these three books. Of course, the Bible as well. But a lot of what we talk about historically is going to come from these three books. If you have time and you're interested, I would recommend picking them up. Now, I already told you the Easter Enigma is less than 100 pages. It's a quick, easy read that will really help you to see some things that maybe you don't see otherwise. The other two books are not bedtime reading. Uh, They are 717 pages and 817 pages respectively. Uh, So those are the kind of things that you, you can start now and maybe spend the rest of your life on, if you want. I, I'll be honest with you; I still haven't read all of it yet. Um, but the parts that I've read, I have enjoyed. So, uh, I would recommend if you're interested in learning more about the topic, then you're going to learn in 12 45-minute sessions. These are three books that you can go and check out. So, with all of that kind of prep work set up and everything, here's what I would like for you to do. And again. Please blame Billy for this. This is this is all from him. Uh, I, I, I liked it when he did this and I, I think it's really cool. So what I would like for you to do if you've got your phone or any kind of device on you uh, is to go to this website or you can use the QR code and you will type in this code and we are going to ask some questions and we are going to see the answers. Um, The reason I'm doing this, and maybe you feel weird about this, maybe you feel uncomfortable about this, the reason I'm doing this is twofold. Number one, I want you to kind of see ahead of time what some of the things are that we are going to be talking about. Number two, maybe it will get you to start thinking about uh, some things in different ways, maybe some of the questions that you haven't asked about resurrection yet. And number three, it's going to help me as a teacher, because as I see the answers to these questions and as I see some of the percentages, uh, what we are going to find is, is new material for me, and it can help me shape how we do the rest of this class. So what we may find is that as we answer some of these questions, uh, there may be a little bit more confusion about resurrection in the ancient world than I might have previously realized. And so we might spend a little bit more time on that. Or maybe there's a little bit more discussion of what happens after we die because we've got some more questions about that. So what I'm going to do here very quickly and just pray that this actually works is we're gonna shift over to this not that that's just a, a Batman screen um, and this is uh, this is unique so let's see if I can just pop this oh yes let's go all right so this is a this is not as big as I want it to be maybe I can I have not done anything like this before so let's try to do this very, the first question, very simple question. This is just kind of uh, to, to get you used to what we're going to be doing for the, for the next few questions. I'm just asking you, did you grow up in the Church of Christ? I'm asking you that, one, to help you prepare for how you're answering the questions. But two, it helps us to realize some of where our questions might come from. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of times there have been things that have been taught in the Churches of Christ that are really good and really helpful, and we may see some of that in some of our surveys. But sometimes, if we've grown up in the churches of Christ, there are things that we might not think about because they're just not necessarily taught about. So this will kind of help us to determine the rest of these questions. All right, now, let's see if I can get this moving. All right, so, second question. Let me, let me go on ahead and preface this by saying that there are no right answers on this. Uh, I'm not looking for a correct answer. This is not a test. I am asking what you know and what you think about this, because that, again, is going to help us to shape what we're doing for the rest of the time. Um, How does the resurrection of Jesus fit into the ancient world? Again, remember that these are anonymous, so I'm not going to know what you say, uh, and you are welcome to just say, you know what, I don't know, I I will not answer. Uh, That's fine. I've got three answers up here. Uh, You can see them on your device maybe a little bit better than you can. The first answer is that there are many stories of resurrected gods. Jesus is just another one of them. Uh, And that's true. We have talked about how there are many stories of dying and rising gods. That second answer is among the stories of many resurrected gods, Jesus is the only one who was actually raised. So what we're saying in that answer is that there's a lot of similarities between these two events. There's a lot of similarities between some of the dying and rising gods and the resurrection of Jesus. And in this third one, what we're saying is the resurrection of Jesus is entirely unique. There is nothing like it in the ancient world. Okay, Uh, I'm not going to deal with, even though you can see the answers that are up on screen, you can see the numbers or the statistics, uh, I'm not going to deal with that today. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on because, like I said, this is more for your benefit and my benefit today more than it is for just the statistics themselves. Next question I'd like for us to ask. Do you believe, again, this is entirely your opinion, do you believe that the resurrection of Jesus is prophesied in the Old Testament? There are a lot of people who don't believe this. And to be fair, if the Old Testament, prophesies directly about the resurrection of Jesus, it doesn't necessarily do it extremely clearly. So there may be some confusion about this. And uh, apparently there's not because, okay, I will deal with this. Everybody says yes on this. Okay, We're going to talk about maybe in a couple of weeks how we can prove that this is the case, if it is the case, how we can find some of these prophecies of Resurrection and what they might actually mean for Jesus as the Messiah and Jesus as the coming King. So, next question. Do you believe that the Old Testament prophesies about the future resurrection of humanity? This is another question that we have to deal with when we're thinking about resurrection. Because when we look at the ancient world and we look specifically at the Jews, it doesn't look like they have a really fully fleshed out idea of the afterlife. It doesn't really seem like they have the knowledge that we have. And in a lot of ways, they didn't because they hadn't seen Jesus. But the question that we want to ask and what we want to know is, does the Old Testament prophesy about the future resurrection of humanity? Moving along then, let's talk about Jesus' resurrection. What was his body like when he was raised? Here's your three answers. Number one, Jesus' body was not made of matter. It was not physical. Instead, it was like a ghost bearing a resemblance to Him so that the disciples would know Him. This is a very common belief, especially uh, a couple of thousand years ago, shortly after it happened. The second answer is that it was made of matter and physical. That was brand new. It did not bear the marks of His crucifixion. Now, You may wonder why I'm making a separation between this and the third answer. The third answer is that it was made of matter and physical, and that it was transformed, but it still bore the marks of his crucifixion. The reason that maybe we're asking this question, and I'm not telling you what I think about this for another few weeks, but the reason that we're asking this question is because we want to know, does Jesus have something that's entirely brand new, and that because of his power as God, he's able to recreate the marks of the crucifixion, or is it still his old body that has now come along and still bears those marks? And we ask this question because it might, we'll talk about it in a few weeks, it might have something to do with the future resurrection of humanity. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. So, what happened to Christ's body when he ascended back into heaven? Whatever your answer was on the last one, here's your four answers here. When Christ's body ascended back into heaven, nothing might have happened to it. It was a spiritual body without matter, and so it was not physical, and so it was already fit to live in heaven. Now, uh, again, it looked like everybody answered one thing on the last one, so maybe we're avoiding that one entirely. I don't know. Second answer is that nothing happened to it. It was a spiritual body, but it was also physical in nature. It had been transformed at the resurrection, so it was already fit to be in heaven. Third answer is that it was transformed from a physical body to a non-physical, spiritual body to be fit to live in heaven. And the fourth answer is that it was transformed into something unknown so that it could be fit to go to heaven. Now, you can already see we're we're starting to get a little bit different answers as we move on. Uh, There are some new things that we're going to have to think about as we dive into the later sections of this class. We're going to want to talk about what Jesus' body was like when it went to heaven. And there are a lot of people who, who think that maybe this question doesn't matter. But I think it absolutely does. I think it matters because it tells us more about Jesus and His resurrection, and it also may show us something about how we are resurrected. Next question. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 44, that when humans are raised, they will be raised with a spiritual body. What does that mean? Three answers. Spiritual body is a non-physical body that will depart or separate from the physical body at death and will be present at the resurrection. Question two. It's a body that is transformed at the resurrection when the spirit rejoins the physical body. And then the third answer is it's a figurative term and doesn't really apply to the resurrection body. I'm putting all of these up there because these are very common beliefs about uh, all of these things that we're talking about. These are things that you will find out there if you dive into the discussion of something like 1 Corinthians 15.44. If you're going to read some extra books, and even among members of the churches of Christ, you're going to find different answers. And so as we deal with some of these things, we're going to try to hone in on uh, what maybe the correct answer is, if there is a correct answer. If the Bible gives us an answer, we're going to try to dive into that. So like I said, we're not looking for correct answers today, but the answers that you give will help us to find those correct answers a little bit later. Moving on, let's ask this question. What do you think happens when we die? I've already told you we're going to spend a whole day talking about what happens when we die. Answer one, the spirit departs the body and goes straight to either heaven or hell. There's no interim period. There's no waiting place. It's just as soon as you die, you're gone. Uh, some people say that what will happen is you're transported immediately to judgment day and God puts you in one place or the other, or you just move on. Answer two, the spirit departs the body and goes to a waiting place until judgment. And then, of course, answer three, the spirit departs the body and goes to a waiting place until it is reunited with The body for judgment. The difference between those two things is that the spirit goes to a waiting place and then on judgment day moves on directly towards heaven and the body just stays in the ground. The physical body is not touched again. The difference in answer three is that that spirit that's been in the waiting place is rejoined with the dead body and that body is raised. We're going to talk a little bit about some of that when we deal with what the resurrection body is like. We get to Philippians 1 and verse 23, and Paul says that his desire is to go and be with Christ. This is uh, similar to what we've already asked, but this is a supporting verse for a lot of people when they discuss this. What does Paul mean when he says this? Paul either means that he's looking forward to the eventual judgment day that will come after the resurrection, or he believes that he will go straight to heaven upon his death, or he believes that Christ lives in the waiting place between death and the resurrection. By the way, if you recognize some of these questions, you may remember that about two or three years ago, I sent out a survey to the church here that asked a lot of these, hopefully to, to help us in preparation for this class. But I thought maybe we could redo a few of them. I think I asked like 30 questions on that survey. We're not doing 30 of them today. Matter of fact, I think there's only uh, one or two more after this. But the, the reason I wanted to redo it today is because your thoughts may have changed in the last two years. You may have evolved or Maybe you didn't answer the survey, which doesn't hurt my feelings, but also it hurts my feelings. Uh, So uh, please, uh, you know, spend time thinking about some of these things. So we'll deal with some of this as we get into our discussion of the resurrection body. Now, when Jesus returns, what will his body be like? That's our next question. Will Jesus' body be a non-physical spirit like a ghost, and he'll receive us unto himself? Or will it be a physical body awaiting only the spirits of believers? Or will it be a physical body that transforms the bodies of believers into a body that is like His? Is there some kind of connection between who Jesus is and who He will continue to be and who we will be and what we will be like? Is there some kind of connection between those two things? In your mind, again, this is not... Uh, right or wrong answer, I just want to know what you think about this. Moving on then, what will the human resurrection body be like? Number one, it's just our spirit. It's completely non-physical. Number two, it's our human bodies raised from the grave as they were when they died. And number three, it's our human bodies raised from the grave then transformed into something non-physical. Or number five, it's our human bodies, or number four, it's our human bodies raised from the grave then transformed into something that is still physical. Now, as we go on and we deal with this specifically, one of the things that uh, you might remember from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is Paul seems a little bit incredulous when people are talking about the resurrection body. He he seems a little bit confused why they're spending so much time talking about it. And so some people have said, well, because Paul had that kind of attitude towards the resurrection body or towards the discussion of the resurrection body, maybe we shouldn't spend so much time talking about it. But it's funny to me that right after Paul shows that kind of attitude, he then actually does give us a description of the resurrection body. So maybe there is good reason for us to talk about it within its proper context is our resurrection related to the resurrection of Jesus in any way? This is the question that kind of all of these have been leading us toward in some way or another. And this is kind of one of the things that our class is going to focus toward. If our resurrection is related to the resurrection of Jesus in any way, you can answer that His resurrection body was the blueprint for what our resurrection bodies will be. What that means is that as Jesus was raised, that's how we will be raised. Or you might think that, the only connection between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of our our resurrection will be that Jesus was raised and we will be raised, but we're going to have completely different bodies. That may be the only connection that you see. Or you may think that there is no connection. You may think that Jesus' resurrection is only related to ours in that it opens the door for our salvation and for our future resurrection. Or you may say, you know what, there's just nothing between these two events that I see in common other than the fact that they both use the word resurrection. I believe this is the last question. When we get to heaven, when we're in our resurrected bodies, do you think that we will have recognizable, distinctive characteristics? You may think that we will maintain the characteristics that we have on this earth. You may think that you can walk up to me and shake my hand and say, I remember you because you stood in front of me and talked to me at the Dalrida Church of Christ. Or you may think that we won't maintain any recognizable characteristics, but that we will still know each other. Whatever you may think heaven is, whatever you think our resurrected bodies will be like, you may think that it won't look anything like me right now, but somehow when you are near me, you will know my presence. Or you may say that, we won't be recognizable at all. We won't maintain any kind of recognizable characteristics, and we won't recognize each other at all. We're going to deal with this again a little bit later on, probably towards the end of this class. So, I thought that was the end of it. So, let's move on back into our discussion here. All of these things, like I said, are are helpful to me as a teacher because it helps me to know, what we might need to focus on, what we might need to spend a little bit more time on. That doesn't show up as well as I thought it would. I'm sorry, I'll try to be better about that next week. Why do we study the resurrection? Why are we going to spend 12 weeks on this? Well, I think there's probably three really good reasons. First of all, uh, we, we find uh, N.T. Wright in his book that I mentioned just a minute ago, The Resurrection of the Son of God. Tells us that to study the resurrection of Jesus is to study history. And when he does this, he gives us a, a definition of history that's used in five different ways. Uh, and he kind of tells us a little bit about why this is important towards the resurrection of Jesus. He says that history is an event in some way. We study history as an event. And what we mean is that it's something that happened, whether or not we can prove that it happened. Uh, he uses the example, he says, the death of the last dinosaur happened even though nobody might have been in the room to witness the death of the last dinosaur. Nobody wrote down what happened when the last dinosaur died, and yet we recognize that that happened because there are no more dinosaurs. We know the dinosaurs are gone, so at some point in history, there was an event that happened where the last dinosaur died. Uh, He also talks about history as a significant event. Now, everything that has happened in the past is history, right? Right? Everything that has happened up until this point is history. But not everything that has happened up until this point is significant. Right? Okay? I woke up. I got out of bed this morning. I ate breakfast. To me, breakfast is significant. But to you, you don't care about my breakfast, probably. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you want my recipes. I don't know. You don't. I'm a terrible cook. Uh, I would say that a lot of our lives to us, are very significant. But in the grand scheme of the things that happen in the world, there are not a lot of historically significant events. A historic significant event is not necessarily something that just happened, but instead was an event that had a momentous consequence. And if we're studying the resurrection of Jesus, what could possibly have a bigger consequence than if that is true? He also talks about history as something that is provable uh, in that we can demonstrate that it actually happened. And that's what we're going to spend the next few weeks trying to do. We're going to try to spend a little bit of time discussing the evidence to prove that Jesus was raised from the dead. And then he talks about history is writing about events in the past. uh, And of course, that that one's pretty obvious in and of itself. And then of course, history as what modern modern historians say about a particular topic. What we're going to find is that a lot of modern historians completely reject the resurrection of Jesus. But when they do that, they are ignoring a lot of those first three definitions of history. And so, as we move on, our discussion, our study is going to be, was the resurrection of Jesus something that actually happened? We're going to go outside of the Bible for that in a lot of ways. We're going to look at other things because the Bible, as far as we know, let's... Let's take inspiration out of it for just a minute. Let's, we, we all believe the Bible's inspired by God. We all believe it's inerrant. But let's stop for just a minute. Let's put that to the side, and let's say the Bible is just another book. If the Bible is just another book, is there anything else that can tell us that Jesus rose from the dead? I think there is. And so what that helps us do is for those people who actually view the Bible as just another book, who say that the Bible is not inspired, it's not inerrant, we can say, okay, well, we'll put the Bible to the side and we'll use your facts. We'll play on your playing field and we'll still come to the same conclusion. If Jesus rose from the dead, we want to discuss what actually happened and what that means. Second, uh, we study the resurrection because we want to study theology. Uh, when we think about what we know and what we do as Christians. Every part of our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus. Matter of fact, Paul will go on to say in Romans chapter 1 that it is the resurrection of Jesus that proves that Jesus is the Son of God. As he introduces the book in Romans chapter 1, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, Concerning his son who was born a descendant of David, according to the flesh, he was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. And so what we are doing by this in studying theology is we're saying if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then he's not the Son of God. That's what Paul says. But he is raised from the dead, and so by studying that, we are studying God. And then finally, we get to the discussion of why do we study the resurrection. And this is where I told you, I I tried not to put this and then realized it this morning. The resurrection helps us to understand the things that are going to happen at the end of time. It helps us to understand what will happen after death. It helps us to understand what will happen at our resurrection. And that's where 1 Corinthians 15 will come into play a lot. I would recommend over the next couple of months, spend a lot of time studying 1 Corinthians 15. It's the great resurrection chapter of the Bible. We will spend a lot of our time there. In the first half of 1 Corinthians 15, he spends a lot of time proving that Jesus rose from the dead. And he talks about Jesus's resurrection, and then he goes on to say that if Jesus was raised from the dead, he is the first fruits. And if there are first fruits, what else will there be? Second fruits and third fruits and everybody else. And so he spends the second half of the chapter discussing the theology. What does this mean for us? And that's kind of what we want to do the same thing in this class. That's kind of the pattern that we're following. We're following the same two purposes that Paul did in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul gives an apologetic for Jesus' resurrection, and that's what we're going to do. When we think about apologetics, we often think about the discussion of whether or not God exists, right? Uh, We often think about, you know, the cosmological argument and the teleological argument and all of those things. And those are good, and a lot of people have done a lot of really good writing on those things. What happens with that, though, and I say that like it's a negative thing. It's not necessarily a negative thing. But what happens with that is after you've proved that God exists, what do you have to do? You've got to prove that the God of the Bible is the God that exists, right? And so you've still got a lot of work left to do. But if we can give evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, we also have evidence that he's the Son of God, And if Jesus is the Son of God, we already have evidence that God exists. And if we have evidence that God exists and Jesus is his Son, then we also have evidence that the Bible came from him. So, that's what we're going to be doing for the first part of the class, and then just like Paul does in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to shift to that theological discussion. Because if you can give evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, you also have evidence that there is a future resurrection. And that the two resurrections are tied together. So um, my clock says I've got one more minute left, so I would just like to read this passage from the Apostle Paul as we finish off this morning. Paul opens up 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul says in these four verses very quickly, if you want to know the story of your faith, if you want to know how you got where you got as a Christian, it starts here. It starts with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Mike spent a good bit of time last week talking about the death. We're going to spend the next 12 weeks talking about the resurrection. So hopefully you'll stick with us for that. Hopefully you enjoy it. Thank you for your attention this morning. And we are dismissed until worship service.